Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ. All right, welcome back. Good to be with you on this Monday afternoon, a chilly, dreary Monday afternoon, but it is going to get warmer as the week continues. Uh, it is official. 2024 belongs to the cicadas. Oh, this no. Is, this is from NBC News. This thing's gross me out. Uh, this spring, two different broods, two different broods of cicadas, one that lives on a 13-year cycle and the other that lives on a 17-year cycle, will emerge at the same time from underground in a rare synchronized event that last occurred when this country was swearing in its second president. No way. 1803. Billions of the winged insects will make an appearance across the Midwest and the Southeast beginning in late April for a raucous mating ritual that tends to inspire fascination and annoyance in equal measure. Uh, This year's dual emergence is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event, while any given 13-year brood and 17-year brood can occasionally emerge at the same time. Each specific pair will see their cycles aligned only once every 221 years. They're so loud, and they're so gross, and every once in a while you'll come across one and you think it's dead, and you kick it, and it goes, and then I freak out. So... It's laying on the ground. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like an, a, a possum. Yeah. It's playing dead, and you tap it, and what does it say? It goes, You've all had that happen. Yes. Oh, I hate those things. They are the, the kids when we were younger used to call them ugly bugs. Oh, God, they're terrible. They are the most disgusting creatures I on, did, on the face of this earth. I did find it interesting that that story repeatedly referenced them as flying cicadas. Is there yeah, a what, flightless yes, sir, kind? Sir, is there a crawling cicada? Pretty sure they all fly. <laughs> Right in your face while you're doing any outdoor activity. Here's what I don't understand about cicadas. So the 13-year brood that's coming out of the ground is known as brood 13. Gross. Very creative. They crawl out of the ground like the walking dead. You've heard this, right? They literally... Have you seen the videos? Oh, God, it's disgusting. The 17-year brood that apparently is coming out of the ground this, this spring as well is known as brood 19. Well, why not 17? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And it says here, they happen to make their homes adjacent to one another. Quoting here from Gene Kritsky, who's an entomologist at uh, Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati. Thomas Jefferson was the president of the United States the last time these two broods 
came out together. It's disgusting. Have you heard that when there is the 17-year brood, it can be so loud that it will damage your ears? Yeah. Like the decibel limit is, I don't know, like Arrowhead. There's still a cicada on my back patio. (laughs) From the last brood? that, That died in the fall. And I find these creatures so disgusting that I haven't, he's buried under snow right now, but obviously when it melts, he'll, he'll be right there. Um, I, I just haven't had it in me to get a broom out, sweep him up and throw him into the yard. Now there is a silver lining to this. Uh, there was a map included in the story that I was not able to get formatted for the print off, uh, that showed where these broods are centrally located. No. Uh, and there's dots all over the Midwest, and there's only one dot in Kansas City. Yeah, you, tell me you, where it is, and I'm, I will avoid that area. Oh, it's in Kansas City, but we only have ever, one dot, not a cluster your, of dots. Like, they had dots, and she goes, no. I don't want the dot anywhere near me. Uh, from Channel 41 just now, from what I've gathered in discussions with a few people and with KU and the Chiefs, it appears Kansas conference games will be played at Arrowhead this coming fall. Non-con games will still be on campus. Nothing official yet. Where? But that's the hope. Uh, Colorado, Houston, Iowa State, and TCU will play at the half of the stadium that is now Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. No, those are conference games. Those will be at Arrowhead. And the other games, pardon me, you're right, will be Lindenwood and UNLV. Flip that. Colorado, Houston, Iowa State, and TCU those are conference games, so those are at Arrowhead. Okay. And then the other two will be in Lawrence. I don't know how they're going to w- do that. Where are they going to play in Lawrence? Uh, they will have built about half of the stands. <laughs> It'll be standing room only. So you're going to have <laughs> a couple of bleachers and then just a wide open Did they not think the about this side. when they were knocking that well, thing well, down, the, that we're going to need somewhere to play? Well, the thing is, you have to, I mean, uh, if, if you're going to rebuild your stadium, Okay, which is what KU apparently has decided to do. Um, there's obviously going to be a season where you're going to have to find other places to play. You can't build a stadium in one season. Th- th- they have no choice. Right. But you can build a part of a stadium and yeah. just say, hey, we'll fill up these seats. The rest <laughs> you, of you guys you can sit stand there. I ain't sitting up there. Why not just, I mean, well, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but there, there is a, there's an entire neighborhood just north of the stadium that, let's be honest, if those houses were demolished and done away with, nobody would care. Uh, the homeowners raking in for dozens of years the rent on the backs of students yeah, but, would but, care. But th- those homes, you know as well as I do, Dana. They are, are old. They are turds on a paper plate. They are, but that... So buy them out. don't bounce. No, they don't. Buy them out, build the stadium there, Finish building that stadium, right. tear down the other one, and create an entertainment district. Yeah, but again, that that's not the plan that we have. That's the plan that you want to have. I understand. Uh, really quick, bittersweet news today. Remains of a new dad killed in the 9-11 attacks, Scott, have just been identified thanks to a DNA breakthrough. Hmm. Listen to this. 44-year-old John Ballantyne Niven of Long Island was on the 105th floor of the South Tower when he was killed on that Tuesday, leaving behind his wife and an 18-month-old son. His remains have just now, 20 years later, been positively identified using breakthrough DNA sequencing technology. And they spoke to his uh, widow, widow, 
It is certainly emotional for me to hear 23 years later, John's DNA has been found. We had no idea, she says, that those efforts were still underway, especially given how many years have passed. We are so appreciative of the city of New York and the devoted teams working behind the scenes all this time. They deserve tremendous credit for this extraordinary effort. Niven is the 1,650th victim identified. Mm. She says she is grateful they will have something to lay to rest. Mm. Yep. They had a grave uh, side service at the time where they buried mementos and all of those things. And she says this is very, very meaningful how, how, to how, us. How is it that 23 years after the fact, they just now identify those remains? That's incredible. They're, they're still working. If you've ever been to the the memorial, and I was there, the new memorial. You know, I have. like I've been there. You've been there since they've redone it. I was there, kind of right in the beginning stages, and there was this big black curtain when you went in, and they said, you know, everyone's obviously very quiet and very respectful in that space, but they said there is still work going on right behind that curtain. Scientists are still trying. Oh, I didn't know to that. identify. I didn't know. And that. I mean, I was there. Oh gosh, when, when was fifteen that? years ago, maybe it was a long time ago. And they were still trying to identify yeah, people. The work the work goes on. 913-586-7798-586-7798. She is Dana Wright. My name is Scott Parks here on KMBZ. If you are an investor, today was a good day. The Dow closed over 38,000 for the first time ever today setting a record high and capping a steady rise that stretches back to last week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, The the NASDAQ closed up over 15,300 today. It was a good day on Wall Street. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, A Kansas couple. This is from the Associated Press. A Kansas couple has been charged with fraudulently collecting more than $215,000 in retirement benefits on behalf of a dead relative while they concealed his body inside their home for six years. Mm. Authorities say Mike Carroll's pacemaker showed that he died in 2016 at the age of 81. Yeah, the autopsy revealed the exact down to the second time of death because the pacemaker had that in its um, technology. But Overland Park Police did not discover his body, Mike Carroll's body, until 2022, after his son-in-law, Kirk Ritter, called police to report his death. Prosecutors say Lynn Ritter and Kirk Ritter, the son-in-law, both 61, continued depositing and spending from Carol's bank account even while his body became mummified on a bed in their home in Overland Park. Lynn Ritter is Carol's daughter. Family members tell the Kansas City Star that the Ritters would repeatedly give them excuses about why Carol could never take the phone or visit while leading them to believe that Carol was still alive. Okay. Couple due in court on February 2nd. We talked about this over the weekend as well. This is another one of those stories where I'm like, are we in the twilight zone of just bizarre crimes happening right here in the middle? They pocketed $216,067 from his Social Security deposits. Right. So for years... Other family members would call or, you know, reach out. 
hey, can we talk to Mike? How long for most people would you go before you started thinking, man, it's odd every single time I call, he can't come to the phone. Now, he couldn't come to the phone because he was mummified in one of the back bedrooms. They just shut the door. They were throwing his mail was scattered all around the bed of his dead body. They even had kids or grandkids over for like birthdays and normal family things. And they just kept that door shut with a dead guy in there for six years. Would you notice? Like a third cousin, would I notice? No. An aunt? An uncle? I mean, how close to your own branch on the family tree would you be like, uh, this is weird every time? So, like my mom and dad within well, obviously. five days. Well, obviously. If I did not hear back, I'd be like, what is going on? But I haven't spoken to my Aunt Arlene since we were in Chicago last May. And if we weren't in Chicago last May for a wedding, yeah, the time I would have spoken to her prior would have been my uncle's funeral in 2017. You wouldn't find it odd. There's no you know, Christmas card or whatever because you're not that close. To- we're close, but we're not close enough. And my Uncle Mike, for example, who I am close with. But if if I called him you know, a month ago and it went to voicemail, yeah. I would just assume he was busy, Okay, couldn't get to the phone. If I called him today, I'd be like, mm, voicemail again. Hmm, weird. Hey, Mike, it's Scott. Call me when you get a chance. But I wouldn't think twice about it. And I I could probably go another couple of months. There wouldn't be anything that would come up over the course of six years where you needed to talk to him about, like, I don't know, our deceased parents' life insurance policy or settling an estate over here or... So it it, it would be weird if if we were to go six years and there wasn't a funeral in the family or a wedding or a birth. Something. Yeah, something where I'm like, hey, I got to talk to Mike. And, you know, we got to get together for this funeral or, oh, you know, our cousin Sarah had a baby. We're all going to go to Chicago and see the new baby, blah, blah, blah. It would be weird to go six years without talking to him. Very weird. Okay, so mm, the Kansas City Stars spoke to some of the extended family members. Wasn't one of them like in California uh, I remember one family member being from Iowa. Yeah. His granddaughter, they spoke with her, spent weeks, even months at a time in his Overland Park home. He was wonderful, she said. Visits to Grandpa's house meant that the granddaughter, who requested her name not be used, would see her aunt and uncle, Lynn and Kirk Ritter. The couple lived on the home's second floor with their three children. Uh, and they were dependent on Mr. Carroll, by the way, Scott. Uh, the star reported for... Everything. They were living in his house. He was helping take care of these two grown adults that, for whatever reason, needed his money in life and in death. (laughs) But this is a granddaughter. I mean, Scott, do you not pick up the phone and say, look, I want to speak to my grandpa? Especially after you've had such a tight, close relationship. Growing up? there for weeks, for months, and all of a sudden there's nothing. Yeah, that would be odd. So what's the crime? Uh, wire uh, fraud. Uh, well, obviously, yeah, it's uh, you. You remember this? We asked uh, Steve Howe's office at the time. We asked Overland Park at the time, and they were like, "We cannot find an applicable law here that you just don't report somebody's natural death." Because it's not. I mean, obviously, if if they're squandering the 
Social Security benefits. Yeah, then that's financial the, crime, the, which the, is what the, they're charged the, with. Then there's a crime. But just letting someone die and it's, their body go to a mummified state in your house, there's no law that addresses that. You know what law you didn't violate? Abandonment of a corpse. Because you did not abandon it. It was corpse. not abandoned. It was set right there for six years and. Right there on the bed. What'd you just say? It's not abandoned. Did you say six years and? Yeah. We need a law. We need new words. You know why we need a law? Let me just tell you this. I know you're not a fan of new laws, but let me tell you why we need a law. Because he was dead six years and they were cashing the check. What was The, the law needs well, to be there's an additional penalty if you just randomly keep grandma in a back room because the reason people are doing that is specifically to keep cashing the well, checks. Well, but then there's your crime. But is the crime, I mean, you didn't abandon the corpse. You just didn't put it in the ground. Scott. There is no legal obligation to have a funeral. There is no legal obligation. I, I think he's right. To there should a death. be a legal obligation to report dot 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 because the people who don't are doing exactly what we're seeing here. Well, but then there's the crime. It needs to be additional punishment. Did you read they are charged with one count of wire fraud? You mean to tell me they're cashing those checks for six well, years with a dead guy in their house, and allegedly. we're going with one count of of wire fraud. 913-586-7798. 586-7798. She is Dana Wright. That guy over there is Sam Stevie the third. My name is Scott Parks here on KMVZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Someone wants to know with respect to the Overland Park gentleman who passed away of natural causes and then just stayed in a back bedroom for six years. Wasn't there an odor? And, (laughs) you know, one of the relatives says that one of the women inside that authorities now allege kept his body for financial gain so that they could continue cashing his, uh, you know, Social Security checks was that they even babysat like one of the grandkids would come over while the dead guy was in the back. They would just keep the door closed, right? Mm -hmm. So I spoke with one of the detectives shortly like after all of this came out because it was just such a crazy, shocking story. They said the house was a wreck, Scott. I I can't say the word I want to say. Just trash, debris, Gross. Was it hoarded? 
in the wheelhouse of hoarded, but also a slight odor. But after six years, there wouldn't be. Oh, sure, no. And then the neighbors reported to the star that this family, quote, kept to themselves. Well, yeah. You can't have your neighbor over for tea at noon when there's a dead guy in your back bedroom. You can't when the smell stops. I was going to say, I don't care how dirty your house is. How do you build up enough of a stench to override the stench of a decaying body? Well, after a while, the the, the stench of the decaying body just dissipates. Not that I, yeah, I don't not know. That that I, know. I don't, I don't know. Experience the, not in that this I field. know. <laughs> I don't know the timeline on that. But, Scott, I think I think they probably really kept to themselves for about a year, if you know what I mean. Got a chest freezer in the garage, no. do you? Oh, no, none of your business. Mind your... There has to be some law to... Um, not prevent, what is the word I'm looking for? Discourage people from doing this. Yeah. Not that it would. I mean, I'm not saying that this would have the, ended up any different. But, but but we already have those laws. What what law do you need? You don't leave a dead guy unburied. That's the law. And what's the crime? Leaving a dead guy unburied in a house. I mean, that's just gross, you're, you're, Scott. This isn't the 1700s. I, I agree. Where we used to like, put, you know, we would display the body in the living room and everyone would come by. Dana, I don't dispute what you're saying, but you can't force people to put dead bodies in the ground. I I would respectfully like to disagree with you. On what grounds? You just think it should be okay that we all just keep our dead loved ones like Norman Bates in a rocking chair upstairs. I'm I'm not saying that that would be my way of doing it. (laughs) I, I fully plan to put my mother in the ground when she dies. I would like, if you don't mind, for somebody to either cremate me or put me in the ground when I die. Okay. Having said that, the real crime here is siphoning is this, the fraud. Yes, is siphoning his social security benefits, not leaving him laying in a bed. But it's to you're, decompose. You're, you're, we're talking in circles. The reason it's not a crime is that there is no law, and even authorities were scratching their head that there was no law. But they had to go back and look because, and I believe this was the quote: "We've never seen anything like this." Put, put him in the ground. You can still siphon his benefits. That is fair if they had buried him in the backyard. Someone told me once that when your cat or dog passes away in my city, it is theoretically illegal to bury a dog or a cat in your yard. That is correct. Okay. So you mean to tell me it's illegal to put my cat under the oak tree out back, but it's legal to keep Merle in the bedroom for six years? W- no. That That is some no. twisted logic. No. What I'm saying is if you wanted to leave Fido in a box – in your bedroom to decompose, you're perfectly within your rights to do that. You can't bury Fido in the backyard because he is considered. You, you know, you know the law that would or the ordinance that this would apply under. If anyone had known, the city would have marked this home uninhabitable because that is a biohazard. No question about it. So there, they you could go the city ordinance route if they had known. I mean, did okay. someone go back in and buy that house, by the way? I mean, you talk about a fire sale. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do you have to disclose that? I mean, I bet there's no rule there either because, again, this has never happened before. No, I, w- I would imagine you probably do not have to disclose that a dead man laid in this room for six years while we allegedly collected his Social Security. We buy bill. ugly houses. How ugly? Because we got a story for you. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never seen nothing like this. Very good. Very good. He wasn't decaying on the floor. He was in a bed. He was already decayed. 
He was gone. Well, at one point he was let, decaying. Let, yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. There friends. was there was very little left. It was mummified. I asked one of the detectives, I, tell me what this was. There was and the, there and was the no answer skin. was mummified. Yeah, there was no skin. There were no organs left. These had all been, and, and let's just be Na- honest. Nature, nature does what nature does. Bugs came in. We'll just leave it at and that. And took what they wanted. While they had a party for the granddaughter in the front of the house. I mean, that's. That is correct. Yeah. Where's grandpa? He's in the back being eaten by bugs. Okay. All right. Wasn't going to go there. Wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Somebody says the charge should be abandonment of a corpse. They didn't it, abandon it, it. It wasn't abandoned. Abandonment means. It was means right down the hall. You roll it, very it up. Well to. You know, you roll it up in a carpet and you dump it in an alley. Yeah. There's a charge for that. There is. There was no abandonment no. of this corpse. They took very good care of it, actually. Anyway, no words. No words. <laughs> I'm telling you, we live in the twilight zone. Yes, we do. Of headline-grabbing cases yes. right here. Yes, we do. We've got very, very good people in Kansas City, but the ones who are crazy are off-chart international headline-grabbing crazy. Have you, you ever... said they had three kids themselves? What did the three kids think? I, I don't know well, in the home that there were kids. No. There were her grandkids that would come by from time to time for birthday parties. They, they, they were in their 50s and 60s while this body was in the back room. Okay, okay, gotcha. So yeah. the, ki- the any kids in that house had, had already flo- flown the coop. Which, by the way, I owe you an amends. Oh, okay. I do. Okay, I'm listening. I, I For years, I have mocked you. Mm-hmm. When the, every, every time one of your brood would leave the nest. Little birds fly the nest, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very quiet. It gets very quiet. I I had my, my, my birds flew back to the nest this weekend. Mm-hmm. And for years, I used to mock you. Mm-hmm. And I would make fun of you. Mm-hmm. When... Your kids would leave, and we would you would cry, and we would have a lot of fun on your behalf. And then they would come home, mm-hmm. and you would cry, and we would have fun on your behalf. <laughs> uh, this weekend, um, my youngest came home and spent the whole weekend at the house. And I got to cook pancakes again and make coffee yeah. for her. And we had a wonderful time. And I, I owe you an amends. I was wrong. I am sorry. I apologize. It's it's like until you go through it, you just don't know. No. And then no. when they leave, it gets very, very quiet. Especially in the winter. First couple of days, it's like, oof. oof. Which is Man. why, Scott, I've, I've, and I will I will give you a little um, advice here. Uh-oh. Next year, look at that calendar. Look at the dates when they leave and go back. Book your vacation for that week. Yeah. You will thank me. Okay. You will thank me. All right. Uh, we now know where the middle finger comes from, ladies and gentlemen. Like the one a Bills fan extended to Travis Kelsey in his face. That in is the correct. Front row during that game yesterday. That is correct. Or the ones that Chris Jones had flying towards the Bills <laughs> fans in the middle of the game, letting them fly. Where does it come from? Uh, the Greeks. The Greeks. The Greeks. The Greeks. Gave us the middle finger. 2,500 years ago are the ones who came up with the middle finger the way that we know it. Yep. It was roughly 2,500 years ago that the naughty Greeks developed a phallic gesture to offend, taunt, and literally to poke each other. Oh. While throwing up a middle finger today clearly communicates a resounding go blank yourself. Mm -hmm. In classical society... 
Uh, historians say the middle finger was more of a sexual reference. The middle finger has since become a frequently used emoji. Mm -hmm. An unintentional guest during a Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> maybe a surprise live sign-off on the BBC. And a crude gesture wielded by angry motorists. But it was the Greeks who relied on the use of the middle finger. Oh, I can't read that next part. To represent a an aroused man. Really? Mm-hmm. Proudly displaying a middle finger was usually a joke, an insult, or, in ancient Greece, a sexual proposition. Okay, I texted someone a gigantic photo of my middle finger in St. Louis over the weekend. Because I do feel very strongly that there are times in life where the most important thing that you can do is flip somebody the bird. Mm -hmm. And I will show you the text that I got, Scott. Okay. And then you can describe my reply. And I will not apologize for it. You got a message from somebody who was clearly not a friend, uh, 920 area code, and they just wrote to you today at 156. Hi, I find your number in the address book. Do we know each other? Question mark. And you responded with a middle finger. Have you noticed that that is happening more and more yes. and more? Will so, where someone will say, hey, it's, and then they'll pick a name that is pretty um, uh, normal, like Mike or Kim. Um, can you remind me? I, I just found you in my address book. Can you remind me who this is? They are trolling to see if you will reply. Oh, my gosh, Amy. Yes, this is Dana. And then they keep trolling and keep trolling and keep trolling until they're getting you to buy gift cards at Target I, I, and you call them back. I get it in my DMs on Facebook Oh, it drives all the time. me crazy. So, so read that from Nancy Zhang. Oh, hello. I see you often in my recommended friends list. New friends are always a wonderful gift. I've never seen Text Nancy Zhang. Text her a photo of your gigantic middle finger. Her name is not Whoa. Nancy. That is someone overseas, <laughs> and they are trying to slide into your bank account, not your DMs. Here, Here's one from Lori Underwood. Would uh -huh. you read that one? Oh, hi. May I ask how we know each other? <laughs> Why does Facebook keep recommending you to me? This is all a scam. You guys tell your elderly relatives this is all a scam because some lonely man or woman who is living alone is going to reply, oh, my gosh, I'm Bill. Do you maybe know my daughter, um, mm -hmm. Shirley? And then they'll reply, yes, that's how I know you, Shirley. Well, now they have your daughter's name and on and on it goes. Uh, by the way, red flag number one that you got in your text, Dana, yep. address book. I found your number in... The address book. Do we know each other? The address book. <laughs> Who has an address book? Who has the address book? It's so bad. But you know what? They send a thousand of those out. Mm -hmm. And if, All they, they, get, if one. they get one person that's, right. that's lonely and confused, say, oh, I don't know. how. To, what area code is that? And then this is what an, an, a confused older person might say. Is this Colorado? And then the second you say that, they go, mm -hmm. yes. We've got a live one. We've, we, we've got someone that's now talking back and forth. 913-586-7798-586-7798. I think the uh, Chiefs play, is it Sunday at 2? Is that what I saw? It's later yep. than that, isn't it? Nope. Two o'clock. Oh? Uh, Sunday, AFC Championship, Chiefs and Ravens, two o'clock.
Uh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes has never been a starter in the NFL and not gone to the AFC Championship. Not gone to the AFC Championship. I, I said on Twitter, write that down and post it in your house on your refrigerator or something. He it's has incredible. never not gone to the championship. Six for six. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just incredible. All the talk on ESPN this morning was the Mahomes-Brady comparison and who is the real GOAT. Well, because uh, Mahomes and, and Kelsey surpassed the Brady-Gronk Gronk. statistics mm-hmm. last night, right? Yes, yeah, the duo passing touchdowns in the playoffs. They passed that last night. Uh, and in the first six years, uh, Mahomes is holding the GOAT candle right now. You, you, you have to make that argument if he continues this path. Uh, by the way, the NFC Championship, Lions and 49ers, go Lions, uh, will be at 530. And that'll be on Fox. That's going to be one heck of a game. Oh, I can't so wait to many watch people are rooting for Detroit. So many people. Detroit has never, ever, ever been to a Super Bowl. <laughs> now, they won four NFL championships prior to the Super Bowl That's era. That's correct. That but they correct. haven't even really sniffed the... Have- have they Super ever Bowl. even now? And, and, and I know way too much about the NFL. Have they ever been to an NFC Championship game before? I don't believe so. I don't think so either. All I remember hearing was the players were not even alive the last time Detroit was great. Uh, you and last, I, you and I were not alive. It's that long. Yeah, it's been that long. Their last playoff win was 1991. Prior to that, it was 53 years ago. Wow. And that win in 91, I believe, was not a win that got them into the NFC Championship. I don't I don't think they've ever, ever been in an NFC Championship game. And there's only a handful of teams that have never been in a Super Bowl. What I can't get over still about that game last night is that with about five or four minutes to go, um, Romo and even to some extent Jim Nance were making it sound like it was over. Well, all they got to do here is do this and then just run the clock out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Like, is this really, is it going to be over? And then they miss that kick. And I feel sort of bad for the kicker. I always feel bad for the kicker. But not last night, I didn't feel bad for the kicker. That thing went wide right, and I thought I was going to pee my pants right there in my living room. 147 to go in the game on fourth down and nine for the Buffalo. Placement down, Bass's kick is up, and the kick is no good! A little prophecy! Tyler Bass has struggled, right, and he just misses the kick. Kansas City will next snap with a 34-yard And the Chiefs down. will take over at the point of the missed kick. Their own 34-yard line as Tyler Bass misses this wide to the right. And that poor cat that you've seen in every meme puts his hand in his head. A dumb question. Do you always take over at the point of the missed kick? Yes. Always. Unless it's blocked. Got it. Uh, did you know that Gronk and Kelsey are the same age? I did not know that. I didn't know that either. They're yeah. both 36 years old. They are both 33. 33 years old. They were 34. born five months apart. I'll be darned. Yeah. And he's already retired? Well, he did get four Super Bowls pretty quickly under That's his true. belt, thanks to Tom Brady. Uh, Stanford University's Tara Vandeveer, maybe not a name you're familiar with, mm-hmm. she has won more college basketball games as a head coach than any other human being on this planet. Tara Vandeveer from Stanford. Did she get this over the weekend? She won it last night. Uh, She now has 1,203 career wins. 
during her 45-year coaching career. That is one win more than Mike Krzyzewski. Wow. And he tweeted out last night how proud he was of her and what an honor it was that she was the one that beat him. It's incredible. Vandeveer, who is now 70 years old, is in her 38th season at Stanford. Wow. Uh, she has won three national titles, was named National Coach of the Year five times. She has 1,203 career wins, and that is one more than Mike Krzyzewski. Wow. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski writing out last night, this is a tremendous accomplishment for Tara Vandeveer, who is already one of the most accomplished coaches in the history of basketball. This is yet another milestone to add to an amazing legacy. More important than all the astounding numbers and career accomplishments, she has positively impacted countless lives as a coach and a mentor. Tara remains a guardian of our sport. Well said. Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, we will end quickly with golf. If you missed it, a 20-year-old by the name of Nick Dunlap is all over online describing the surreal feeling of winning on the PGA Tour as a sophomore at Alabama. Scott, he shot a 60. And is it my understanding he doesn't get a dime for it? Not one penny. Oh! Of the $1.5 million purse. Because he's in college? Correct. Oh. News with Dan Weinbaum in two minutes here on Dana and Parks. Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at KMBZ.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.